Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Supervalue Insurance. Offering sound advice for your car, home and travel insurance needs. Tweet at Miriam O'Call. Well, boxer Emmett Brennan won the hearts of Irish sports fans when he talked to Des Cahill after his defeat at the Tokyo Olympics. His honesty and the signs of his hard work won him a lot of support. But life after the Olympics was tough for a while. Since then, though, Emmett has gone professional and a few weeks ago, he boxed on the undercard for Katie Taylor's big fight and he won. And he has big plans for 2024 and he's here with me in our studio, Emmett Brennan. Welcome here. Thanks for having me, yeah. Life's probably changed a lot over the last two years since the Olympics. Um, right now I'm in a wonderful place. Um, some great people around me. And as you said, looking forward to a fantastic 2024. Can we go right back? Mm. North Strand, tell me where you grew up and how you first got into boxing. Yeah, so I grew up in the North Strand. Had a great childhood. Um, my mother and father both working class. My mother was a cleaner. Father worked there uh, in a factory, but they'd done everything for me. Never wanted for anything. As a kid, I was very, very sporty, but I was also very, very introverted and very socially awkward. Very socially awkward. I played every sport from basketball to soccer to Gaelic to hurling, anything. I always tried my hand at it. But I think what happened to me was playing football when I was age 10 and I got into a bit of a scuffle. Couldn't defend myself, as what a lot of kids would mm. do. I just started crying and I panicked. And my father was very good friends with the local boxing coach. So he was like, come on, I'm going to bring you down to uh, St. Savers, which was on Dorset Street. At the time, that was the best boxing club in the country. So um, I was obviously very excited and very nervous as a young 10-year-old. Um, when I went in, I absolutely loved it. So if anyone knows St. Savers, it was... A very old club, like 40 degrees inside, sweat rolling down the walls, smelled the sweat. It was, for the average person, it was disgusting. But I fell in love with it straight away. I loved it, but then when you actually got into the, the boxing part, I was involved with team sports my whole life, mm. up until I was 10 years of age. The independence that boxing gave me, I quickly realised that you get out of the sport what you put into it. It was something that, looking back, I realised very, very quickly, whereas, as I said, I was involved in team sports. You can have a bad game, you don't have to train well. The other people will pick up the pieces for you. I realised quickly, boxing just learnt me so much independence, made me come out of my shell. Although it was an, in the, it was, it's an independent sport, I was less socially awkward. I started to integrate with people in the club a lot more. And yeah, it probably learnt me a lot of life skills that I brought into adulthood with me. And, that's why I'm so um, I'm obsessed with the sport. Yeah, well, I'm obsessed with the sport. Were you super talented from the beginning? Like no, no, no. I I was very very, I was very average, but I was a very good trainer. Like I said, I knew I get out of the sport right print, so I never missed training. Um, always trained the best of my capabilities, but I was never the best. So it took me ten years to win a national title. So I lost like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I got beaten in the national final every single year. But like that, it's what the sport it builds like resilience. And I knew mm. if I come back a little bit better next year, I might win or I'll have a better chance of winning. Now, obviously, year after year after year, you're getting beaten. It's not <laughs> a great feeling, but it does. It builds that resilience that I'm talking about the 
skills that you're bringing into adulthood, building your life skills. Eventually, yeah, it's 20, I won my first national title. And for me, I had two dreams when I first went into St. Tavis. One was to be a national champion, an elite champion. I hadn't won there at 20, and two was to be an Olympian. So if anyone knows St. Tavis from 20 years ago, it was the best club in, in the country. So what, therefore, did it mean to you when you did get to the Olympics? Um, yeah, it was when I eventually qualified, it was age 30, so I was involved in the sport for 20 years. It was 20 years of a lot of ups and downs, probably more downs than ups. Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was an amazing feeling. Look, it was, it was 20 years rolled into nine minutes to eventually qualify. So it was unbelievable. Um, again, it was very, very short lived because I qualified five weeks before Tokyo. So you had to literally just brush it off and get ready for the Olympic Games. But an amazing time for myself, an amazing time for my family, my club, everyone that support me because although I'm the one that qualifies, there's so many people that help you in the background. So yeah, looking back, it's nothing but fond memories. It was it was a brilliant time in our lives. And also, I know, I think you were injured going to Tokyo. Your prep wasn't ideal. But that interview you did with our Des Cahill after you mm. lost, everyone watching it, including me, it was heartbreaking for you. But when you stand back now, do you appreciate what you did achieve? Like you're an Olympian, you wanted to be one and you were that. But that interview was very moving and people have used it to inspire other people haven't they yeah like that's actually what ended up getting me a professional contract that <laughs> interview yeah I'll go on to that now in a minute but yeah the interview I suppose was as I said 20 years built up into we eventually get to the Olympics my body doesn't hold up we have so much frustration Um you want it to be a happy ending. You want to get there. And again, that's life lessons. You can try and try and try and things just don't go your way. And it's probably resilience I've built from that um, mm. because I wanted the fairy tale of the Olympics. I wanted to win. I wanted to get a medal. I didn't want to just become an Olympian. I wanted to do better. Um, obviously, you're interviewed directly after you get out of the ring, so emotions are quite high, but... The interview has done some really, really positive things. So, I mean, I suppose the show is sporting from a completely different view that yeah. we were real people. We put a lot of effort, we sacrificed a lot. Like, financially, I crippled myself to get the Olympics. Um, you got per- credit union yeah, loans and everything. Credit union loans, I, I, no savings, but I was sacrificed a normal life. Like, where all my friends are having, they're having kids, they're getting married, they're buying houses, they're doing what people, normal people do in their 30s. I sacrificed all that and then when I got to the Olympic Games things didn't go the way I'd planned and yeah it was a great interview but eventually that's the interview that got me in touch with me professional manager right Tell now. me about that. So the Bahrain national coach Tony Davis just reached out to me about a year ago and he was like do you mind if I show this to the Bahrain National Federation? I was like walk away Tony what's the reason behind it? He goes well I'm involved with Bahrain there's obviously a lot of money Money is, mm. it's easy come, easy go to them. But they think money can make you become an Olympian. They don't realise you have to sacrifice. You have to give up a lot of things. You have to not live a normal life. And this interview shows exactly what it takes to become an Olympian. And I was like, walk away, Tony. Um, and then he goes, why haven't you gone professional? And I was like, well, the shoulder still isn't 100% healed. And to be honest, 
I'm 31 now. I'm only going to go professional if I meet the right people and I trust whoever's going to manage me. He got me in touch with a lad called Darren Barker who, in terms of personality, is probably one of the big, biggest personality in boxing. One of the most respected men in boxing. Put me in touch with Darren and Darren's now managing me and he's obviously doing the right things if he got me onto that fight two weeks ago. Isn't that amazing yeah. though, like that interview... Where you thought probably you seemed down, in fact, got you onto the professional. And it's had to get me great opportunities. As I said, Darren is one of the most respected men. He's a former world champion. No one would have a bad word to say about him. And he's got my best intentions at heart. So anyone that knows the professional game, it's um, it's a business. And not everyone has their best interest at heart. But I know Darren does. So their interviews have probably put me in the best possible situation it can be so I can only be uh, only positive things have come from it Unbelievable and of course I said are you boxed in the three arena last month on the undercard for the great Katie Taylor you beat Jamie Morrissey mm. you brought in a fair few supporters I think that night Yeah you? we sold like 650 to 700 tickets wow. which is great so again like obviously I'm the one fighting but you're nothing without a community behind you you're nothing without your family your friends your boxing club, the people that you see day in, day out. Because professional boxing, as we just mentioned there, it's a business. If you're not selling tickets and you're not winning fights, you, there's no place for you in the sport. So I'm very, very lucky that I have so many people support me. And I think a lot of that does come down to I'm relatable. So mm. if you want to support someone, it's a lot easier to support someone if they're likeable and relatable and you can see a little bit of yourselves in them. Because how many people have dreams in the 30s and they can't go after them because maybe they have a family yeah. financially they can't do or they just can't make the sacrifices so I'm probably relatable to a lot of people where they'd love to go after their dreams but for whatever circumstances they just can't do it. Definitely relatable definitely so likeable and also because after the Olympics you went to New York didn't you? Yeah. You also have a story of things not going well for you mm. for a while, but you overcame that. Tell me when you went to New York after the Olympics, what happened? Yeah, so I initially went to New York. I got surgery five months post-Olympics in the January and I was supposed to be recovered within 12 weeks. Is that I'd your so shoulder? Shoulder, yeah. yeah. And I'd be back boxing and I had, I always had this dream as well of going to New York and going professional because it's a great, um, it's a great Irish community over there and Madison Square Garden was always the dream for me. I went over to New York when I was like 12, I toured in with my family and I was just, I was fascinated on this dream ever mm. since. So March 2022, three months post-surgery, I went over to New York to go professional, to get a good manager, to integrate myself into the Irish community. Again, it's a great place, but I went over there with these dreams and I suppose I was so far away from home and so far about the people that, so far away from the people that really cared about me. Um, I just went off the rails. The shoulder wasn't recovering. Um, I walked her out. I ended up in New York for 70 days. I think I drank for about 60 of them and quite heavily. So you also have to take into account eight months previously, I was in Tokyo at the Olympic Games on the highest of the high. Yeah. Here I am in New York eight months later, drinking every day and drinking very, very heavily. It wasn't like three or four drinks. It was like eight, nine, ten, eleven hours of drinking because New York doesn't close. Everywhere's open at <laughs> four or five in the morning. And I just got completely lost in it. Um, ended up in a downward spiral. Happened that 
Oh, he had bought my mother um, New York for her sixth birthday during COVID. Well, before COVID. Yeah. She was supposed to go during COVID and it got put back to when I was there. And I was supposed to meet up with her on the Saturday. I turned up still out from the night before. And you have children. Yeah. You know, your mother's look. She didn't yeah. She didn't say anything, but I knew I messed up and I knew I had to change. And looking back at photos, I looked terrible. Bear in mind, she hadn't seen me for like two months, so she got a shock. Um, I knew by her face that I was after really, really messing up. But the mindset that I was in, I had 10 days left in New York, and I was like, right, what I'm going to do is just drink myself silly for the next 10 days. Done that. Spent a serious amount of money on alcohol. Um, most of my savings are built up from the Olympics, but I was like, right. My birthday was on the 4th of May. I was coming home on the 3rd of May. I was like, I'm not going into another year doing this. And I just gave, gave up alcohol. Yeah, gave her up in it. That's in amazing. Having looked back, I think I'm I'm roughly 600 days off. So May the 3rd, 2022. Now look, I've no problem with drink. It's not yeah. like I'm an alcoholic. It was no. just, it wasn't serving me anymore. I wanted to make it as a professional athlete. And I knew going into 31, 32, I didn't have... A, my days are numbered as it is. I've got to just sort of knuckle down and give everything to the sport. Great willpower, though. And you look so healthy, by the way. Yeah, I, I feel it. But there's, there's been times over the last year and a half where things haven't been going well. And it was very easy to go back drinking, but I didn't. Yeah. There's mm. a movie in your life, by the way. Possibly. And you're also extremely handsome, so you Thanks need someone much. lovely to play you. I thought it was lovely as well, your godson, Ollie. Yeah. You brought him into the ring that night you won mm. recently. Tell me about Ollie and his mum, Gillian, your sister-in-law, who I know you love very much. Yeah, so Ollie, like, I have sort of two reasons why I'm a professional athlete. One, because I want to live a better life and I want to do things and see things that were impossible for me maybe a year and a half ago. So that's why I'm doing it. That's a selfish reason. Do the reasons I have two nephews and I want to be an inspiration to them and I want to be a role model to them and all these all these great he's my godson and How old is he now? He's eight. He's, he's eight. eight and he's a he's he's so kind. He's, yeah. he's so kind. It's um he's yeah, he's adorable. But obviously his mother has gone through chemotherapy. She started chemotherapy the day before the fight the sport that I'm in, it's a very selfish sport. Mm. So I'm coming up to my fight and I know Jillian's starting chemotherapy and the family's obviously hurting and they're worried. I have to completely take myself away from that. It's a selfish side of the sport that mm. no one says. So I'm locked away from and I'm, I'm not getting involved with it at all. It's it's quite hard and I suppose after I fight I'll feel guilty about it. But at the time, i got to put myself first. But yeah, it's, it's more than I started chemotherapy on the Friday. I was fighting on the Saturday. I had no plans of getting him into the ring, but I won and I just seen him at the side of the ring. He was about 20 metres away. I called the security, I asked him to get him in and they were like, no, no, we can't get him in. And I was like, no, you're, you're, getting, getting, you're getting the kid in. You're getting him in. And before I knew he was in the ring and he's loving life now. He thinks he's famous. He is a star. Tell, yeah, he's telling <laughs> everyone in school. He went for coffee yesterday and the girl knew my father and she gave him the copies for free. He was saying, oh, you're the lad that was on telly and he's loving life. And as I said, he's so nice. Like, he's only eight. He has a swear jar. If we course around the house, we have to put the money in the swear jar. Only eight years of age. He's given that to charity. Like, oh, he's just, we love him. He's, he's yeah. a lovely, lovely lad. And he breaks my heart. But um, 
yeah, what a kid. So if I can be a positive role model in his life, I'm already winning. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully his mum, Gillian, will do great. Now, listen, mm-hmm. I get the sense from you that you're a man in your hurry. Your Instagram is great. Uh, people should look at it. Making the weight is obviously important to you. You stood up in the scales the other day, <laughs> yeah. though. Don't use that word, but your reaction was. Yeah, I was, I was, I knew I'd put on weight. I didn't know I'd put on tour in Kilo. So, yeah, we've um, put on tour in Kilo in three weeks. You must so. have been too thin. No, I'm just eating too much. Yeah, yeah no. I'm just eating too much. I like that. If you have a goal in front of you, it's easy to eat well. Yeah. And I'm not signed by a promoter, which means I don't know where my next fight is. If okay. I'm signed by a promoter, I know, well, I'm going to be fighting in March. I know that, but I don't know the exact date and where mm. and what show it's going to be on. But if I have a roadmap when I'm going to, I know exactly when I'm fighting. I have that goal in front of me. I don't have that now. Lucky promoter who'll get you. Listen, tell me about your business. Because it's very good for lots of young people who might want to box if they're 18 or over. Yeah, so we've opened Fighter, myself and two friends that have boxed with. uh, So I've boxed with George my whole life. Eric's been my friend my whole life and he's involved in jiu-jitsu. So um, we've just seen a gap in the market because I'm involved in boxing and I know once someone comes in that's over the age of 18, they're left to the side because boxing clubs... They're under-resourced and they want to look after 10, 11, 12-year-olds. So there's a great gap in the market. As I said, the amount of life lessons that I've learned from the sport, we can bring this to adults. So at the moment, we're doing really well. We've opened three months ago. We've got roughly roughly 50 members. And the big thing for us is, at the moment, the ratio is 50 to 50. 50% women, 50% Fantastic. men. So we're really pushing more women to get involved in the sport. Look, Emma Brennan, just one of our listeners, lots saying it, but Emma Brennan sounds so nice, says Anne, so likeable, so humble, an inspiration. I wish him so well in his career. Um, and if anyone wants to find out about your business and they want to try boxing and they're 18 and over, your Instagram, at Emmett Brennan, really yeah, is everything, doesn't Emmett it? Brennan. Everything's on that. I wish you the very best of luck, Emma. Thanks, Thanks so much, much for coming in today. Thanks to all my guests. 